Hey everybody, this is Kirk Walden and welcome to the Faith Revolution Podcast, where you can find, simplify, and multiply your faith. Welcome again to today's podcast, and I'm talking with Jennifer today, and today we're going to turn things around just a little, and Jennifer's going to be introducing and talking to me. So, uh, Jen, take it from here. Our idea today is to hear about your story. Your story of faith has always intrigued me. Uh, I've always found it very inspiring. And so I wanted to start by asking you the question of when you were young and growing up, um, what did that look like for you? Was your family a church-going family? Like, what did that look like? It was, it was a little bit different. When I was very little, we lived in Southern California, and we were a church-going family. My father had a title in the church. I can't remember what it was. It was a layman's title. Uh, and then we moved to Alabama when I was four, and we went to church as a family, but that began to drop off a little bit. My dad began heading to the golf course <laughs> at a particular time. I can't even remember quite how old I was, but he would go to the golf course. My mom continued to go to church, and as for me, I found ways to skip church. Hmm. On Sundays, I was often sick. And uh, I found a way to be sick. Ah, I just don't feel well or whatever it was. And uh, I would watch, I would wait till 11 o'clock and watch Notre Dame football replays <laughs> on Sunday morning because that was the only thing that was on. I wasn't a Notre Dame fan, but that was it. And uh, every time, every once in a while, I'd watch Gospel Jubilee and think it was kind of silly. <laughs> but that was my. That was as close as I got to church, and so I kind of begged off, and I went a few times. And about how old were you when you would say you kind of stopped going? Probably seven, eight, nine, something yeah. like that. And uh, I had somebody who kind of terrorized me in Sunday school <laughs> and uh, would push on me and things, and nobody really noticed, and I didn't want to cry about it, but I also didn't want to keep going. It just wasn't a lot of fun, and so I found a way to stay out of church as much as I could. Yeah. And then when I was about 10, I was playing golf all the time. I'd taken it up when I was nine. My dad introduced me to it. And then when I was 10, 11, 12, not only was I trying to stay away from church, but I began to gravitate toward going to the golf course on Sundays. And at some point in there, my dad began to say, yeah, I'll take you to the golf course. So that's what I was doing on Sunday mornings. So it wasn't like you were just in bed. I mean, you were hanging out with your dad and that was time you two had together. Yeah, well, he'd generally go play with his buddies on Sunday. Ah. Every other Sunday he'd play with me, but he'd, he'd play with his buddies half the Sundays and half the Sundays with me. And the other times I'd just practice. I'd just be on the putting green or on the driving range and I'd hit golf balls. I loved it. I could do that <laughs> all day long. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So I know your dad was a college professor. He was. And how do you think that affected your ideas of faith or maybe just... Yeah, what I, church meant? That's an interesting question. I'm really not sure, but he was around extremely educated people. What he did as a professor at Auburn, he conferred doctorates in mm -hmm. educational leadership. So he was teaching. Actually, he taught my principles, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. If I ever got into trouble, I remember one time in seventh grade, I got into trouble and the principal said, I so respect your father. I cannot believe this. And if I ever had to tell your father about and I just felt horrible. <laughs> and because I knew going through school, I had to be a really good kid because my dad was teaching these principles of mine. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. But yeah, some really bright people in his department. They'd have department parties at my house, at our house. And uh, 
just they'd talk politics and all kind of things, and I just they'd let me hang around. My parents didn't send me to my room. I was right there with them, and I probably said some stupid stuff as a you know nine or ten or eleven year old would, but I enjoyed it and I learned a mm-hmm. lot. Faith never came up. Ah, interesting. I'm sure some of them went to church every Sunday, but I can't recall one conversation about faith. Wow. Okay, so then what happens from there? What actually changed? Because all I've ever known from you is a person where faith is the absolute foundation of your life. So how do you get from being a kid who really didn't grow up in church to the person that you are today? It's kind of fascinating because I I, uh, actually totally rejected faith. At one point, my sister became a Christian when she was 14. She is three grades ahead of me. So I was probably about 11, somewhere in there. And she began telling me, well, I'm, you're going to be saved one day. And all those words that catch words that Christians use. And I didn't know what she was talking about. But when I was 15, she gave me a Bible, a red New American Standard paperback Bible. And I just put it on my shelf. Hmm. Uh, I thanked her and then I paid no attention to it. She wanted me to read it. I didn't. She told me, the Lord's going to come change your life and all that. And she's wonderful. Believe me, she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was she was faithful to keep and she praying. Was probably, I was going to say, she probably said a lot of prayers for her little brother. She did. And, and when I say the things I say, it's not to her detriment because she loved me and she wanted change in me. But I just wasn't interested. Thankfully, she kept praying. Thankfully, she didn't push me. She just dropped little hints and say little things, but she did not push me. But there was a time when I was 15, after I got that Bible, when I sensed something was happening and I needed to make a decision about Mm -hmm. God. One way or the other, I was going to have to make a decision. And so I was wanting to be a professional golfer, which, as you know, I got to do for a short time later on. But at that point, I was so sold on it. But I realized that professional golf, the tournaments end on Sunday. I'm a smart kid. And (laughs) and God is not going to have that if I give my life to him. So I have a choice to make. I can be a pro golfer or I can be a Christian. Mm -hmm. To me, it was a binary choice, one or the other. And I told God at 15 years old, I said, if you're there, I do not want you in my life. Because I, I want to play pro golf, and you just keep your distance. I do not want you. You know, what strikes me about that is that you thought that serving God had to mean that you had your Sundays free. And, you know, but what that tells me is you're probably a lot of people throughout time have thought, well, you know, I, you know I'm not giving up my Sunday. Yeah. And that's the dividing line for them, which is... That or something else. We create rules in our minds that we think God is going to demand of us. And I'm not saying none of those exist. Well, yeah. And if you, once you really get to know God, it's like, hey, I do anything for this God that I love so much and that I know loves me. But, you know, that's like a barrier for people. It is. Um, And it was for me. It was, I'm going this direction. And I know you're going to make me do this and so. And in my case, it was not play golf on Sunday. And so I was rocking along at 15, 16. And uh, I realized, though, my senior year in high school, I was 17 years old. And I realized I was not going to get that college scholarship I wanted. Mm. And uh, I really felt, here are the steps. First, you're the best on your high school golf team. 
actually I was not the best. I was mm-hmm. the second best on the high school golf team. Then you get a college scholarship. Well, I didn't have any college scholarships. Just one junior college offered me. And interestingly enough, it was after the number one player on my high school team said no to that junior college. Mm-hmm. The coach then called me the next night and said, I've got a scholarship for you. Well, I knew whose scholarship it yeah. was. Like, I don't want to be second. <laughs> yeah, it was my, my good friend. Yeah. And, and he ended up taking a scholarship to Auburn. And uh, I was not going to junior college. I either wanted to play in the SEC or not at all. But here I was as a senior in high school, and I realized I'm not anything yet. And I began just kind of going out with the boys and doing things that I'm not really proud of. And a lot of people would have said, oh, he's a good kid. And I wasn't a bad kid, but I knew I wasn't living up to the standards that I expected of myself. I reached a point that senior year in high school, and I just thought, I'm not who I want to be. Mm. There's something not right here. And part of it was the stress of knowing that if I was going to play college golf, I was going to have to be a walk-on and hope for the best. And I just wasn't who I wanted to be, I guess the best way to say it. And I reached a point, I think it's my sister praying, and I'm sure others out there, but I reached a point where I was laying down to bed one night and I just said, God, I don't know if you're there. It's funny, two years earlier, I'd said, I don't know if you're there, but I don't want you in my life. Mm. But this time I prayed and I said, God, my prayers are crazy. Just let me know. (laughs) But I said, God, if you're there, you've got to change me. Mm. You've got to change me. And that's where things began to change at that point. Wow. I love that. So, okay. So you say that prayer. You're a senior in high school. And so then what happens? Well, a few weeks after that, my sister invites me on a beach trip with her college fellowship. Again, she's a few years ahead of me. She's been in college a couple of years. And uh, here I am living in the college town. And she says, I want you to go on a beach retreat with us. And in fact, her boyfriend asked me too. They both asked me. And now they've been married 30-some years. Oh, so Keith is... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they asked me if I want to go on this beach trip. And I think about it, and and of course, I've just prayed this prayer. So you'd think, oh, yeah, this is God speaking to me, right? It's time to go. Time to go to the beach trip. He's going to change me. I said, I don't know. I wasn't totally excited about it. In fact, there was a golf tournament that same weekend in May of 1980, and uh, I was going to choose between the golf tournament or the beach. And so instead of just going to the beach, I made a deal with God. I made a bet (laughs) with God. I I was quite the gambler on the golf course. (laughs) I I probably lost more than I won, but... I made a deal with God. I said, I tell you what, God, if you're there, again, I've got this if you're there in my mind. And I said, if you're there and you want me to go on the beach retreat, you make the beach retreat cost the same or less than the golf tournament. Hmm. You do that and you win and I'll go. Well, my sister takes me to this Sunday night gathering of this group, this college ministry. And while we're there, uh, the worship guy is playing a song on the guitar and he says, oh yeah, we got the numbers in on the beach retreat and it's going to be two nights. And I'm thinking, okay, God, $15. Mm-hmm. You meet that goal, you win. Mm-hmm. But if it's 16, I'm playing golf. <laughs> well, he says it's going to be two nights, $7.50 a night. So 15 bucks. <laughs> And I just uh. <laughs> sat there, and I don't know what I said, but it probably wasn't good, but I had lost. But I wanted to be a man of my word, and I said, okay, if there's a God and he wins this bet, I've got to pay up. Yeah. And so I've got to go to the beach retreat. So that's what I did. I decided I'd go, paid my $15. and So no golf that weekend. You had to go to the beach retreat. Yeah, and that was a killer for me. I'm seven days a week on the golf course. Yeah. That's all I do. That I'm hitting, was a big sacrifice. Yeah, I'm hitting 200 range balls a day. I'm chipping. I'm putting. I'm playing 18 holes. I'm doing the whole thing. And taking a couple of days off, as crazy as it sounds, Jen, I'm thinking you take three days off of golf? 
and that's three days of practice to get ready to play golf next fall at right. Auburn, and I'm losing it. I can't lose right. a it's day. It's hard for me to understand that not being a golfer, but in your mind, you could cost yourself your yeah. college golf opportunity. Yeah. In my mind. Actually, it's really good to take a couple days off from time <laughs> to time, but in my mind. Right, okay. I see. So we go on the Beecher Street, go down Friday night, and I take that Red New American Standard Bible. I mm-hmm. go, okay, you know, these are a bunch of Christians. They're probably going to be witnessing or whatever these words they use are. They're probably going to be handing out little tracts on the beach and all this yeah. stuff. So I better at least take my Bible and look like one of them because I can fake it, you know, for a couple of days and then it'll be done. Right. <laughs> well, go down on Friday night, take the Bible, wake up Saturday morning. And when I do, it is pouring outside mm. at the beach. Panama City Beach, it is just, it, it's a not a hurricane, but it feels like it. It's terrible. And I'm thinking, there's nothing to do here. <laughs> We've got no TV, and they're going to do Bible study all day long or something. I'm going to yeah. be in, in first Hezesnuffleupagus or whatever <laughs> in the Old Testament. And I don't even, I can't find anything. And in fact... I knew so little about the Bible. Our band director, when I played in in the band early on in my high school days, he would have a, uh, he'd say, okay, let's go back to Genesis, which meant the beginning of the song. Right. And for the life of me, I didn't know what that meant for the first few times he said it. And then I figured it out. But I didn't know Genesis was in the Bible. Well, I'm looking around on this Saturday morning and and there's some guys over there in their cots and they're opening up their Bibles. And I go, well, I guess I better look like I'm doing something. Yeah, you didn't, you wanted to fit in. (laughs) Yeah. And and there was really nothing. I mean, I could just sit and stare at my shoes. Yeah. So I open up that Bible and I do open up to Genesis because I don't know to go, let's go to the New Testament. Why don't, I mean, I know there are two Testaments, but I don't really, I haven't kept up with that stuff. So you start talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I don't, you know, great. I guess I could have named the Gospels. But anyway, open up to page one, Genesis. And that's where I started reading, read a few chapters, and it kind of leapt off the page at me. It was was interesting. The stories Mm -hmm. kind of gripped me. And I go, wow, there's a lot going on here. And I keep reading. And then the the pastor, the head of the college ministry, comes in and he says, you know, I really think it's going to clear up. He said, I think we're going to be out on the beach in a couple hours. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Well, sure enough, (laughs) two hours later, sun comes out and it's great. And there's no weather channels. You know, we got nothing here. Yeah. And I'm thinking... This guy's a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. And he just, what do you do? Pray the clouds away or what? Yeah. Now, that was my perception. You know, you know what's kind of fun to me about this, too, that is that you started out like, if you're there, God, I don't want any of this. If you're there, God, change me to, it seems to me like him showing up in $15, him showing up in the weather's going to clear, you know? Yeah. Very little simple things that spoke to your heart. That's right. And um, look, I'm 17. I should have figured it out by now, but in Florida, in May, they don't have long fronts. There's thunderstorms (laughs) that move on. But anyway, it meant something to me. Right, right. And uh, sure enough, it cleared up. We go out there. And uh, as I get around these people, I realize they're not crazy. They weren't Mm. running up and down the beach, you know, telling people they're sinners or anything like that. We just talked. Mm -hmm. There weren't day-long Bible studies. Not there's anything wrong with that. But they were just regular, normal people, but they had a faith. Mm. And I I laugh at it now that these guys that I'm looking up to, I'm a senior in high school, Mm -hmm. and I'm with college men. Yeah. And there was one guy, we were sitting by the pool, and this guy says, you know, if you stand up for the Lord, he's going to stand up for you. And I thought, man, this wise sage 
has shared one of the great <laughs> truths of life with me. And I don't know whether he was struggling with, I don't know what was going on in his life and whether he was some great spiritual leader or what, but that hit me. I'm like, wow, that's really mm-hmm. cool. And I think the big thing to me was, this was a college dude, because I thought once you get to college, you don't need to do any church stuff mm. anymore. You can be done with that. And real grown-up college students, they're done with that stuff. I mean, that's mm. Sunday school stuff. And yet he still believed it, and he had made it his own. I think that's kind of what hit me. Yeah. Was it's not, this is not what his mommy and daddy taught him necessarily. Right. And so I just saw a group that I'm sure they were flawed. They had stuff going on. I'm sure there was drama going on with girls and guys and all that. I didn't notice it. Yeah. All I noticed was that they seemed to care for each other and they were pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't realize Christians could be cool. Uh Yeah. Because from what I could see, it was just kind of the nerdy thing to do. And I Mm -hmm. saw it as a crutch. Okay, these kids can't be popular, so they may as well be Christians. Yeah, it was like they got to have something to identify them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this grabbed me. And I leave that beach retreat on Sunday afternoon. We drove back to Auburn four hours back. And uh, I was different. Mm. I got home that night and kept reading. Mm. Monday I'm ready to read. I went to the golf course that afternoon. I didn't quit golf. I didn't know what to do with this, what God was going to make me do on Sundays. Hmm. But I played golf on Monday afternoon. I guess that was still okay. And uh, one of my buddies said, we're going out Friday night. We're going to do what we normally do on Friday night, go hang out, drink, whatever we're going to do. And uh, I said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, we'll figure that out on Friday night. And I said, no, I'm just not interested in that. And I wasn't against anything. It's just that wasn't my interest anymore. And I went home on Monday night and I got to reading again. Mm. Tuesday night, reading again. I'd play golf after school, go back home and read for several hours. In fact, I got done with the book of Revelation, read all the way through. And I thought, I wonder what day I started. And I went back and I think it's May 17th when I started. We were in June and I thought, goodness, how long has it been? And it had been exactly 40 days. Mm. And I yeah. thought, well, that's fascinating. Mm. You know, that I knew 40 days was in the Bible a couple of times. I'd only read it through once, so I didn't really make too much of it, but I thought it's pretty cool. Yeah. And there had been no Bible reading plan or anything like that. I didn't know of any of those things. Right. You just read. So, and things began to change. Mm. So things are changing for you. And so one of the things you've talked to me about that I find really interesting is that in your mind, you just started following. You didn't say a prayer at the beach, nothing like that. You literally just... No. I'm very interested in this Jesus guy. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. think I need to start following. Whatever whatever that looks like, I need to do that. And you're right. There was no prayer. Mm-hmm. Nobody sat down with me and told me that I was separated from God by sin mm-hmm. or anything like that. And we've had this conversation before, you and me. I'm not belittling that idea. Right. I'm saying, though, if there's a takeaway today that I want to share, it's that people come to faith in different ways. Mm -hmm. There's not a set way to do it. And I think a lot of times in the evangelical community, we've decided that people first have to understand that they're sinners. Yeah. They have to understand the bad news first. Well, I've never heard the bad news. Yeah. I didn't know there was bad news. All I wanted is there was a God. I'd figured that out by all these things that had happened. Yeah, yeah. There must be a God. He's winning all the bets. (laughs) So if there's a God... I want to know him. Right. And 
I didn't even ever say, I think I'll start following Jesus now. Mm-hmm. But as I read the New Testament and I saw Jesus in there, I figured that's the direction I need to go. And he said, I'm the way. So I figured that's the ticket. Right. So I just started following. No, I didn't pray, say that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And Jesus died for my sins. I figured all that out down the line. But in the beginning, it was just, I guess I'll go. That's right. the direction I need to go. Right. And I think if somebody had told you at that point, you need to do this, you probably would have done it because that was your heart. Yeah, I probably would have. Um, But I'd also say that sometimes we think that's necessary. Right. You need to nail it down is -hmm. what I've heard before. You need to nail it down by praying this prayer. And if you mean it, then you're safe. You know, right. you're in great shape and, and you're a Christian now. And I go, well, that wasn't the way it was for me. Yeah, interesting. And yeah. if I look at the New Testament, again, not to be negative about it, but if I look at the New Testament, that really never happened. Mm-hmm. You look at even Paul and you see that he gets confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus and he's confronted and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, well, who are you, mm-hmm. Lord? I'm Jesus. I'm, oh, okay. So Paul recognizes there's an issue here yeah. since he's about to go trying to go kill Christians and he just switches directions. Then he takes direction from Jesus. Go to Ananias' house. Uh, these guys are going to take you there. You're blind right now. That's not a good thing. So you go to his house and he just did the next thing. And I really think, not to compare myself to Paul for goodness sakes, mm-hmm. but I really think my life is about doing the next thing. Right. Well, I think about even Jesus calling his first followers you know what did he say to them yeah literally it's like follow me he launched the entire enterprise of Mm -hmm. christianity with some guys that he said follow me Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes we overcomplicate yeah what it means to come to faith well you need to do these things and if you do these you've covered all your bases and you're Mm -hmm. good sometimes the bases aren't easy to spot Sometimes we just have to do the next thing and start following. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're that woman at the well who just starts telling people who Jesus is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we're Cornelius, and he's trying to find God, mm-hmm. trying to do the right things. And then Peter comes and starts saying some things. And then all of a sudden, he's just, all these things start happening in his yeah. home. You know, Peter wasn't able to stop and say, now, whoa, 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 we need to pray a prayer. Right. And get right. You through he this. was just consumed by God. It, you know, what strikes me about it is faith and following is personal. Your journey was a very personal journey in a strange way between you and God. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, Cornelius, that God just like, you know, it's almost like, get out of the way, Peter. Let me take care of this. I, yeah. I got this. Yeah. You know, I think we sometimes lack faith for one another in what it looks like for someone to start following. Yeah. And I've had people ask me, well, tell me, give me your testimony, which means tell me about your conversion, obviously. Mm-hmm. When was it? I can't actually tell you. Mm. Was it on Saturday? Yeah. Was that week? Was it Sunday afternoon? I don't know. Yeah. Was it Monday? But at some point, things shifted. Yeah. And I can't tell you. Or was it way back when you said that in your bedroom that night? It, I mean, it you could know? have been. It's just I said, God, you got to change me. Okay, yeah. I'll start work. Yep. And there's a lot of change. In, if it was then, because people want to know. Sometimes we want to know, okay, I need to know the day of the hour so that when you look back, you'll know that you know that you know that you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. I understand the thinking there. But you know what? I know that I know that I know because my life changed. Mm. 
my desires changed. Right. I can't tell you the when, when, whether it was that time when I said, God, you've got to change me, whether it was so many weeks later when I went on the beach trip, whether it's somewhere afterwards. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I can't help you there. Right. One of the things I think in time I wish, you know, you could talk about or we talk about together is so often somebody does decide, okay, I'm going to accept Jesus mm-hmm. into my life, but then they, you said the word, you changed, yeah. but they don't feel like they've changed. And mm-hmm. then they start questioning. And I think that brings up a whole nother topic for us to cover, but I would yeah. love for that to be considered sometime as well. Yeah, I'd like to do that. But I think I want to leave our listeners with this today. And that is your story is your story mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you are following, you're good. Yeah. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal is not whether I've said these words or whether I've nailed it down. The goal is be following. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if there's somebody listening, I hadn't done the following thing. What do I have to do? Just start. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, just decide you're going to start. Hey, if it starts by saying, God, you've got to change me, that's probably Mm -hmm. enough. If it starts by faking it Mm -hmm. and you open a Bible or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you and just say, hey, God, what's the next step here? Mm. You know, what does following Jesus look like? What does it really mean for me? Because there's some things that are going to be the same, but there's some things that are going to be different for each of us. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's our takeaway today. Everybody's story is different. But at the same time, everybody's story matters. Mm, yeah. You know, I can tell people about the woman at the well. I can tell about Paul. I can talk about all these people who are converted, and those are great stories. You can tell people about those same things. But you know what? If you want to expand faith in this world, sometimes it's telling them our story and being real about our story. And Mm -hmm. I hope I've been real today. Well, I, of course, think you have and really appreciate your heart and that you were willing to say yes, because it certainly affected my life, the decisions you made all those years ago. So thank you. And thanks for joining us today. Look forward to being with you again on a podcast in the near future. To find resources, show notes and more, join me at KirkWalden.com. And while you're there, join our family of subscribers to get updates on the next episode of the Faith Revolution Podcast.